Good morning, and a happy Easter to everyone. Glad that you're here. Would you say a prayer with me, and uh, let's move into our message today on Epic Jesus. Father, I love you. I thank you, God, for all the goodness. Lord, so many things, God, as we were singing the songs, I was just reciting so many promises, Lord, and, and fulfilled promises that you have given to me, Lord, things that you've done for me, and uh, God, so many times you've touched my life and the life of my family, Lord, you, you've met our needs, God, you've taken care of it, Lord, the grace that just helps me uh, get through every day, the mercies that are new every morning, as your word says, the, the strength and the power, God, over and over and over you've provided for everything in our lives, and I just thank you, God, I thank you for that. I prayed, Lord, today that you would, uh, you would help us focus on, uh, Lord, not all the other stuff in this world that we think is epic, the, the, the things that we uh, spend a lot of our time talking about it and, uh, and in conversations, maybe even in arguments, God, about what is epic and what isn't. Lord, I, I just pray, God, you help us focus today and remember, Lord, uh, what truly was epic, you know, the Son of God coming to live on this earth, to die for our sin, but to be raised on the third day. The day that we celebrate today is Easter. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, that you would just help us focus today. And God, draw every one of us, every single one of us, closer to you, we pray on this day, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Glad that you're here. And I just wanna, just wanna say real quick, thank you to everybody that's done a lot of stuff around the, the church, getting us ready for, for Easter and all the stuff going on. Had, a, had an epic weekend last weekend, uh, the egg drop. It was, that was amazing and wonderful. And, uh, and so, but today we're talking, and we've been in a series about epicness, uh, and we've been talking about epic stuff and, and how we're supposed to be epic out in the world. But today, it's about Jesus. And, and uh, you know, all these other things that uh, we've seen in life, we've seen on TV, we've seen uh, in history. Some of, you, some of you remember some of those things from way back. Uh, you actually saw them happen, and, and uh, those, are, those are amazing things. I barely remember Neil Armstrong stepping down. All, I mean, my dad... He was, he was basically waking me up, you know, every two or three seconds to make sure I saw that. And I, you know what? I just wanted to go to sleep then. But I, you know what? I am so glad that my dad just kept shaking me because that was epic. I mean, that, that was an amazing thing to happen that we, uh, that we achieved that. All, the, all these things that are so epic and things that are in our life that we see as, as so epic. I, I mean, I think of times, you know, where, you know, when my, when my two children were born and, you know, I was there and I, I was watching that and I was being a part of that and, and then holy, hey, let me tell you something. That was pretty epic in my life. But all of these things, it's like, it's like they all culminate and you can pull them together, but they all come back to Christ because they don't end with Christ. They began with Christ. I mean, everything, everything in this world that is epic, everything in this world that is worthwhile, everything in this world that uh, has, any, uh, has anything to do with uh, making your life a better life, it, it comes back to Jesus as Trace was saying earlier, just a few moments ago, he was talking about this power that resides within every Christian. I mean, this power that comes, all the decisions and everything that you will do and everything that you will accomplish in this world, you didn't do it on your own. You did it because you have a power today that is, that is available to you. And if you're not a Christian this morning, then let me introduce you to an epic Jesus who wants to give you an epic life. He doesn't want you to just sit and, and watch a TV and watch somebody else do something epic. And He wants you to have epic things happen in your life too. And listen, and if you're a Christian and you're not having epic in your life, then some, something ain't right because you've got an epic power. Exactly, what Tra Trace didn't realize he was introducing that real well for me. You've got an epic power that resides within you today and it's time to tap into the power 
and let something epic and awesome begin happening in you. All the stuff, all the things, all the places, all the, all the events, all the accomplishments, though epic as they may be, and, and all the websites and blogs and tweets and posts and emails and arguments and, and uh, you know, times sitting around talking about it and the, and the highlight shows and all of those things, as epic as they are, no, none of them, all of them together even, do not compare to the epicness of the life of Jesus Christ. Because even the little stuff, you know, the little stuff that he did, I, I mean, you, you, know, you know, reality TV today, it seems like, you know, it seems like we, we've got reality shows today focusing on any little bitty thing happening in the world. But there really should have been a reality show about Jesus' life because he couldn't do anything small. Everything he did was awesome and amazing. For example, when somebody, when somebody bumps into me, you know, uh, it, it's not a really big deal. Now, maybe if we were in our cars and driving 60 miles an hour and they bumped into me, yeah, that'd be a big deal. How many of you have ever bumped into anybody, right? And you didn't hurt them at all, right? I mean, you just bump it. You just touch somebody. Well, you know, you couldn't bump into Jesus without it impacting a life. You, you couldn't bump into him. You couldn't, you couldn't just touch Jesus without something, uh, without something changing in your life. Everybody, every life that ever bumped into Jesus, you couldn't touch him. Everything Jesus touched, everything he touched had to be different. It had to change. There was a, there was a woman who, who she, she somehow figured this out. I don't know how she knew this, but it appears she knew this before anybody else did because uh, she was sick. She'd been sick for 12 years. She, she, uh, she had a, an infirmity inside of her. She was losing blood for 12 years. She had spent all the money she had on doctors, and nobody could help her. But you know what she knew? There was something inside of her that told her if she could just bump into Jesus. You know, you can come touch me. I've already shook a bunch of hands here. This one. Now, some of you came in late, so I didn't shake your hand yet. So don't get mad at me if you came in late. I didn't shake your hand, all right? Uh, Jeff, you're laughing over there, but you were one of those that came in late. You know, I, I shook a lot of hands already this morning, and you know what? You might, you might have gotten a smile that I, I shook the pastor's hand this morning, but how, how much did your life change that I shook your hand? Maybe you had a smile for a second, but how much did your life, your life didn't change a whole lot. And see, I, I mean, I don't have that epic impact that Christ did, but this woman knew this, and you know what? She fought through, there was a crowd around him. We know that because the disciples told Jesus, hey, Jesus, wait a minute. There's a crowd, there's a lot of people bumping into you, but this woman knew, and when she, she reached out and she said, all I gotta do is just touch that tassel that hangs down from the hem of his garment. And she reached out and she touched the tassel that hung down from the hem of his garment. And, and, and when she did, it, it said that, that healing virtue flew out of Jesus into her, and she was immediately made well. And Jesus, Jesus even noticed it. I mean, it didn't just impact her, it impacted him. And, and he had to ask, and that's when the disciples said, man, there, Jesus, there's all kinds of people around you right now. All of them bumping into you said, yeah, but something different happened with this woman. Can I tell you something? Jesus cannot touch a life without it being different. And some of you are here, and you think you're here by accident today. You, you, you showed up because, you know, you, you saw it on the sign, or you showed up because somebody invited you. You showed up because, hey, it's Easter. Everybody ought to be in church on Easter. You know, this is the day that we, we recognize that the God himself came and died for us and then was raised again on Easter Sunday morning for our sin. And so you came and you think, well, I'm just here because it's Easter. I'm here by accident or whatever. But even if you're here by accident, 
Even if, this, you know, I, I know some people that showed up at church before and they say, and, and they come and sit through a service and say, this wasn't the church I was supposed to be at. I was, I was invited by a friend, but it must have been a church on down the road. You know, you might have even done that this morning. But the fact is that you're here, and here's the, here's, here's the, the kicker for all of this today, is that now that you're here, now that you're going to be touched by the message of Jesus, there's going to be something different about your life today. You cannot remain the same. It's going to be different. Because even if, even if, even if I, I share with you this awesome, epic Jesus and all that he wants to do in your life and you still say no to him, it's going to change. It's going to change who you are because now you've said no. I remember early in ministry, we, uh, we, we, had, a, uh, we had been pastoring for just maybe, maybe about three years, and, uh, and we, we had a phone call. And actually, actually, somebody pulled me off to the side, and, and we were asked if we wanted to go. Listen, we, we were offered this opportunity to move out of state and to be the state youth directors of Hawaii. Now, that sounds really cool, doesn't it? Until you start adding up what all that means, you know. My dad, he kind of added it up this way. He said, there's a whole lot of water between you and, and there. And, you know, and then when you get over that water, you still got about 2,000 miles before you get home, you know. It's, that's, you know it, it, you start, it sounded really cool. And you know what? We said no to that. But there were some things that happened in our mind and in our thought processes that made us begin. It changed who we are in a lot of ways. You see, when you get opportunities and you say no, you know what it is. When somebody offers you an opportunity for a new job or, or a step up or a promotion, what does it do to you? It changes. Even, even if you say no, it changes, doesn't it? And today, as I offer you the opportunity to either know Jesus for the first time or for you Christians to know him better, if you say, well, I know him well enough, I don't need to know him any better, it's going to change because you've said no to the greatest opportunity in your life. You're going to, you, you know what, and some of you, honestly, th this word different right here, some of you, honestly, you need different. You need different in your life. I mean, there's, there's a place in your life that you need different. Would somebody say, amen? There's some places in my life I need some different today. I mean, some of you, you need some different in your finances, don't you? Some of you, you need some different in your family relationships, don't you? Uh, some of you, you need some different in your past. You need something to change about your future. Some of you, you need some different in your decisions and some understanding and some wisdom. So let's talk a little bit about that also, about decisions and direction, those things. Some of you need different in your direction. You know, when I tell somebody a good fishing spot, you know, or fishing hole, as we used to say, and I, and I tell you, hey, here's the place to go. If I give you a good fishing hole or tell you here's a great fishing spot, you know what? Chances are about 50-50 that you're going to catch fish still. I mean, you know, the best I can do is it just might not be the day. I mean, it might be like last week. I remember David was saying how they, they had a fishing tournament last week, and he said three boats sunk. You remember that wind last Saturday? Three boats sunk, you know. So you know, it, it didn't, didn't matter how great the fishing hole was. If you couldn't keep your, your boat on top of the water, you weren't going to catch many fish, were you? So, you know, that's, you know, that's the way I am. If I tell you where some fish are, you know, it might, not, it might not change anything. You know, my direction for you today, you know, might not impact you a whole lot. But this Jesus, 
Man, when he gives direction, here's the story. Is, uh, he wanted to teach. There was a whole lot of people gathered around him. And he was at the shore. And so he, he found a boat, and he got in the boat. Now, it belonged to Simon Peter. And, uh, and, and so Simon Peter was washing his nets. And he, he asked Simon Peter, he said, how about pushing the boat out a little bit from shore? You know, let's anchor for a minute, and let me talk to these people. So he got away from them. The, you know, the water carried his, his voice. I mean, it gave, gave him a little amphitheater there real quick, you know. And he taught the people. And then when he was done, he, it, it he was wanting to really, I guess in a way, pay Simon Peter back for the use of his boat. And he knew because he was the son of God, he knew Simon Peter hadn't caught any fish all night long. So he, he said, Simon Peter, launch your boat out deeper. Take your nets out there, launch it out into the deep, and you're going to catch fish. He told him where to go, and he said, you're going to catch fish. And Simon Peter said, look, you know, we've told all night long we haven't caught any fish, but at your word, we'll do it. So he goes out. You know what he does? He begins pulling in so many, so many fish. He and his brothers begin pulling in so many fish that they, they can't even get them in the boat. And so they wave at, at another boat on the shore, and the other boat comes out, and so they begin pulling them in. And there's so many fish that come up in that net that it begins to sink both boats you see, now, I, I tell you where to fish, and you might not catch any fish, but when Jesus tells you where to fish, you know, he knows where the fish, you know, because uh, he's God. He knows where all the fish are, doesn't he? And you know what? Here's the, here's the cool thing about him as well, is even if there aren't any fish anywhere within 100 miles, he knows how to call them right to where you are. You know, see, it, it, it's not just the fish, but and he knows where all of your blessings are. He knows where they can be found. And all the stuff that you've tried. You know, some of you, have you ever failed at anything? Ever failed recently at anything? You're trying to do something in your life and it's not working out? You know what? Jesus knows just like Simon Peter did all night long. He failed, he failed, he failed. But Jesus knows right where your next blessing is. And just like Jesus could see beneath the water and maybe even call the fish to the place where he was sending the boat, he can do the exact same thing for you. He knows where your next blessing is and knows how to tell you, take this step, this step, this turn, go right here, boom, there it is. This is the epicness of, of his direction and wisdom and understanding. Think about it. He knows what the future is all about. And he knows where you're going to find your next blessing. And so if you listen to him and receive his direction, you're going you're gonna to stumble up on it almost by accident. You're not even going to realize, hey, here it is. How many of you, how many of you ever been to a funeral? It, only, only about half of you. The rest of you go to sleep on me at that last, last point. We've, we've all been to funerals, right? I don't know about you, but I got a pretty good idea that about the same thing happens when you go to a funeral that happens when I go to a funeral. When I go to a funeral... The dead stay dead. Is that the way it is with you? I mean, when you leave a funeral home and when you leave a funeral service, is the dead person still dead? I mean, yeah. Oh, not with Jesus, though, was it? No, man, with his epicness. He went to a city called Nain one time, and and it said when he got to the gate of the city, they were bringing out a man that was in a coffin. And it was a funeral procession out to bury him outside of the the city walls. They they were coming to the gate, and Jesus, he went over to the coffin, you know, and and, uh, you know, perhaps some people thought, well, he's going to go over and offer some condolence, you know, like we do at funeral homes, you know, in in the visitations before the funeral. But you know what he does? He does something extremely, extremely strange and extremely dangerous. He actually goes over and he touches the coffin. Now, that's nothing today. I mean, man, I've seen people almost just crying, just weeping, just draped over the coffin, you know, like, no, don't go, don't go. You know, to us, that's no big deal. I mean, you know, people reach in, touch, touch the deceased and all that. I mean, that's no big deal. We see that. 
But they didn't do that in those days. I mean, they had rules and laws, and it was to keep them safe from, from disease and things that would, you know, could possibly enter the body because, you know, they, they weren't able to preserve bodies like we are today. And so they weren't supposed to touch those things because whatever that deceased person died from, they could catch it as well. You know, so it was, you don't touch dead people and you don't touch the coffins. And so when Jesus went over and he touched the coffin, guess what? The funeral procession stopped. I mean, it, it, just, it just stopped right in its tracks. So, you know, it's like you can just tell. You just hear people just taking a gas. How, how could he do that? You know, this is against the, the Mosaic law. He's not supposed to these laws of cleanliness and things. He shouldn't do this. He's going to have to go purify and separate himself. But when he stopped it, then he raised the little boy up from the dead. But here's the cool thing. He raised the little boy up from the dead. And I, I know that's, that's, what, that's what we think is, man, the epic thing. But I want you to get the rest of the story because here's what he did. Is he raised this, 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 this man up. And when he raised him up, he gave him back to his mother. And they went home. And you know what I'm wondering? It's what the rest of the funeral procession do. <laughs> you know, I, I just wonder, what is the rest of Because, you know, what we kind of think is he interrupted a funeral procession. You know, he paused it for just a moment. But he doesn't want to come. He didn't die on the cross of Calvary just to pause your difficulties. He didn't just go and stop the casket like you and I might have done and, and offer a prayer or offer a scripture or offer a poem or something. He didn't just pause it for a moment. But when he was done and he, and he gave the, the man back to his mom and they went home, the rest of the funeral procession was there. You know what? They could, have, they could have cranked up the band again, you know? They could have started playing when the saints go marching in and just headed on out, you know, buried that empty box. And Sometimes I wonder if that's the way some of us live our lives. As if Jesus just came to pause our difficulties that we're living in. He didn't come to pause your difficulties. He came to stop your difficulties dead in their tracks. And that's what he did with his funeral. I mean, he stopped it and he sent them home and he said, this thing is over. He's not dead anymore. He's alive. And I don't know what the rest of the funeral procession did, but they might as well go home because Jesus doesn't pause our difficulties. He wants to end your difficulties. You need to understand that about him. That's the kind of God he is. It's, it's, not, it's not a little bit of help to just get you through the day. He wants to end your difficulties. Now, I can't, I can't promise you today that it's all going to be over today. But you know what? I've had some times where God has, man, almost audibly just spoken to me and said, today it's over. Man, and what power. And, and you know what? I was still walking in it. I'm talking, I've got some things in my mind and some, some, some stories of my past where I was still walking in, in, in such a horrible difficulty, but because God had just impressed me so strongly, almost, almost audibly, I could almost hear it with my ears, and him say, it is over. You know what? I, I could get up the next morning, I could put my pants and shoes and shirt on, and I could head out the door even knowing that the difficulty was still out there because God said, it's over. Watch this. Watch me make it die right in front of your eyes. That's what he wants to do in your life. He doesn't, want you to, he doesn't want you to just come on Easter Sunday morning and spend about an hour and 15 minutes with some Christians and, you know, and just enjoy a time of respite from your, your struggles. He wants to end your struggles. He wants to finish your difficulties. He wants to put them to rest. He wants to, he, he wants to send this coffin that has been encasing you. Send it on out the street. Bury that thing if you want, but you, he doesn't want to see you buried. He wants to sit, see you set free from whatever it is that's been holding you back. And in a few months, you know, I, I plan to go. There's another little thing about it, his epicness. I plan to go to the beach in a few months. I actually was there last year. 
And, you know, we went down on the beach and we played in the sand a little bit. We made some little, little castles, not anything big or elaborate like you, not, not any epic castles, you know. We just made some little stuff. We drew in the sand, you know, and, and I remember I got a picture of Brooklyn's name. I think her dad did that, of, of Brooklyn's name, and we got that. And, and hey, you know, y'all want to go with me, you know, in a couple months? We'll go back down, then I'll show you where it is. But you won't be able to see my castles, and you won't be able to see Brooklyn's name anymore because next high tide, I was pretty sure Brooklyn was, her name was washed away. And, and even, even anything that we might have done that was too high for the tide, the wind by now has surely blown and disrupted. And there's been a lot of traffic on that beach. I mean, we were, the last time we were there, you know, they were still cleaning up from uh, the oil spill. So, you know, there's been a whole lot of traffic. So t- people have trampled all over that. They, they've dug it up, you know, and, and moved it all around. You see, when, when I play in the sand, that's all it is, is playing in the sand, right? I mean, y'all ever played in the sand? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Okay, y'all looking at me real funny there. I just want to make y'all played in the sand before, right? And when I play in the sand, that's all it is. It's really just playing in the sand. But man, you see, Jesus can't even play in the sand without something epic happening. I told you this story last week, but I held something back for this week because it fit right here. But the woman that was caught in the very act of adultery, and this was, I mean, this was really bad back in, back in those days. I mean, it was, it was, you lose your life for that. I mean, this, this, was, a, this was one of the, the crimes that was punishable by death. Back in those days, you committed, and this woman was caught in the, in the act of adultery, and she was brought to Jesus, and they did this really as a test. They were trying to trick him. They were trying to get him to say something that was outside of his normal message of love and God's forgiveness and these things. They wanted to catch him in doing something. And so, you know, they all had their own sin. And so what Jesus did is Jesus just kind of bent down. It's like he ignored them at first, and he just kind of played in the sand. He drew in the, in the sand. We don't know exactly what he, what he drew or wrote. And then they said, hey, Jesus, uh, you, uh, you know, do you not hear us? We're, we're saying this woman was caught in the act of adultery in Moses' law. The law that God gave to Moses says that she's supposed to be stoned, so what do you say? And Jesus stood up, and he looked at him and said, okay, whoever doesn't have sin, you cast the first stone. Then he wrote back, and he stooped back down and began writing again. And then we don't know what he wrote but it must have been something amazing because it was so much deeper, greater, epic than anything I could have ever done, anything I've ever done playing in the sand. Because as he said those words to those men and then as he bent back down and he rode in the sand, they all dropped their rocks and they left until Jesus asked the woman, so where are those who accuse you? She said, nobody's accusing me. And he said, neither do I he said, go and sin no more. You see, the difference with men and with, with God, with Jesus, is that when we write, we write history. We write what happened yesterday. Or we write maybe what ha- is happening right now. Or, you know, we might tweet what's happening right now. Uh, or, you know, we might write what we think right now, what we plan right now, what we hope happens tomorrow. But everything that we write is, is at least... From this point back, I mean, it's, it's basically history. But where mankind writes histories, Jesus writes destinies. And whatever he wrote in the sand and what, the words that he spoke to those men, it changed. It, it wasn't about this woman's past. It was about this woman's future. It wasn't about what she had done just 15 or 30 minutes ago when they caught her. It was about what was going to happen to her in the rest of her life. 
and for eternity. And where you and I, we, we, we write about uh, all the stuff and all the failures that we had, and, and maybe it's the successes too. But Jesus, he writes about the tomorrows. And, and, and you know, this, this is an important thing to understand about God and how God looks at you, is he doesn't care so much what you were doing 30 minutes ago or 30 days ago or even 30 years ago for those of you old enough to have been doing wrong then. He doesn't care about that, and he doesn't even care where you are today. This woman was, was right there ready to be pronounced guilty of her sin and sentenced to death under Mosaic law. He doesn't even care where you are right now. You know what he cares about? He cares about where you're going to be in the next few moments. He cares about where you're going to be in the next few years, and he cares about where you're going to be in eternity. And so while we're all concerned with the, the here and now and our past, God's only concerned about our future. He just wants you to be with him in, in this life, but also in eternity. He's only concerned about your destiny and, and all the mistakes that you've made. Maybe just like this woman, you've made mistakes that are going to impact, that were going to impact her for the rest of her life, which was probably only going to be a few more moments if Jesus hadn't stepped in. But the change he made, he rewrote her destiny. And some of us, we need God to rewrite our destiny, don't we? I mean, if we, and you've got, you've got situations in, you, in your family and you need God to rewrite some destiny because you've messed it up. I mean, you've written some history that is so bad that nobody can fix it. The banker can't fix it. Mom can't fix it. I saw a sign last night uh, from, a, from an Easter program and the dad was holding it. His little girl had been sick and it was just a sign and it said, Dad can't fix everything. You know what? Dad can't. But God can write a new destiny. For every one of us, no matter, no matter what you've done in your past, he can write a new destiny. No matter what you've, what, what you've done in, in, in your decisions, he can write a new destiny. And he has. He's written a new destiny for you. He's written a new destiny for every one of us sitting here. And no, having that knowledge, knowing that right now, having that knowledge is going to make you different from this point on for the rest of your life because... I've just told you that there's something different out there for you in your destiny. And you either choose it or reject it now. And that's, that's, that's going to impact you for the rest of your life. It's going to impact how you do what you do for the rest of your life. The blessings of God. You know, and there are a lot of people that, that are, are, are resting in the blessings of God because of their good Christian mom or grandmom or someone else in the family that has prayed God's blessings and, and protection on them. And they're resting in that, saying, oh, my mom goes to church, and, you know, God's blessing me. You know, but there's going to come a day where enough information is given to you, and today may be that day that God says, well, you know, I can't bless you anymore. You've rejected me. You see, today, I'm telling you, today, God has, is telling you in this sermon that he's written you a new destiny all the mistakes that you've made that are, are planning destruction for you down the road, God says, I've written you a new destiny. And it's written in the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross of Calvary. That's your new destiny. I have that destiny. You have a destiny. We have a destiny that is of forgiveness, a destiny that is a, 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 of, of peace, of joy, of love, of, of wholeness, of, of completeness, of completion, an epic destiny that God dreamed for you when he allowed his son to come and die on the cross of Calvary. Another, if I were to forgive you of your sin today, if I were to say, 
look, don't worry about it. It's okay. You know what? My forgiveness is going to be all right. But I'm a man. You know what? Uh, you do me wrong today, and you come and ask me for forgiveness, I'll forgive you. But you know what? I'm not going to be able to totally, no matter how hard I try, I'm not going to be able to totally forget it. It's going to be in there. There are going to be days that I'm going to struggle with trying to forget because I forgave you and I need to not think about that. There are going to be days that I struggle with that. There's going to be a time that I see you almost do something wrong and I'm going to think, "Uh uh-oh, here they go again, even though I forgave you. But not with Jesus. There was a woman that came in one day when he was eating he was, he was eating in, in a religious, and I, I, let, me, let me put some quotes around that, okay? A religious man's house. Not, a, not necessarily a righteous man, but a religious man. And this woman came in, and she was, she was known in the whole town to be a sinner. Now, when you say that, okay, you know that, hey, something, something ain't right. If this woman is known by everybody to be a sinner, okay, wait a minute, something is definitely wrong with this woman. But she came in and she began to wash the feet of Jesus. She cried tears and, she, and with those tears she washed his feet and dried, the, dried his feet then with her hair. She took her hair around and, and she dried his feet with her hair. And this uh, religious man, he began thinking. And others around him began thinking. If Jesus knew what, what kind of woman this was, well, he did know what kind of woman this was. Do you remember what I just told you? He doesn't care what happened in your life 30 minutes ago. He's looking to your tomorrow, and he's got a destiny written, and he had a destiny written for this woman. And, 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 he, and he's, he, he told a little story. He gave a little parable so that the religious would get it, but he wasn't even concerned if they got it or not. He immediately turned back to the woman, and he said, your sins have forgiven you. In verse 50 of that, uh, of that chapter, he says, your faith has saved you, go in peace. Your faith has saved you. What does that mean to be saved? It's more than just being forgiven. You see, because I can forgive you. You know, if you commit a sin against God that also impacts my life, you hurt me while you're sinning against God, I can forgive you. You know, I can say, hey, don't worry about it, I forgive you, but I can't save you. Others in this world, they can forgive you. The courts can forgive you for any crime. They can forgive you. They can absolve you. Uh, uh, the governor can, you know, he can pardon you. Uh, there's, there's lots of forgiveness in this world. But it's nothing like the forgiveness of Jesus because his forgiveness saves us. Would you stand with me this morning? And I want to ask you, everyone, would you come to the front? Let's close together. Jamie's going to lead us in a final song. Would you, just, everyone, come to the front? We'll close in prayer and with a final song. Just come on right around front. We just like to gather here at the front for a final song and prayer and sometimes commitment and a little prayer. Just come. We won't embarrass you. We want you to just come and join us in this moment, this last moment. An epic Jesus. Listen, here's the thing. Here's why I felt so strongly about preaching this message to you today because this world is telling us how common our Jesus was. They want us to believe that he was nothing more than just a good teacher. He was nothing more than a a nice man, a righteous, holy man that had some good words to say and encourage each other, encourage you with. That's That's what this world wants you to understand. But there is no man, there is no man that could do 
what this Jesus did. They're, they're, the stuff that he did. And, 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 and I'm not telling you falsehoods. I'm not telling you something, some uh, novel that someone wrote. The words that you've seen on the screen this morning, behind every one of these stories that I've told you, they were witnessed by many witnesses. There's infallible proof. There's, there's more than enough proof up there that if Jesus was, uh, if Jesus was accused of, of doing something wrong, he'd go to jail over them. There's that much proof up there, and there's plenty of proof up there. There's plenty of, there's plenty of truth there for you to understand. There are plenty of witnesses to say, this happened. People were raised from the dead. Sick were healed. And sins were forgiven. This Jesus, this, this, this man that was both God and man at the same time, the Son of God that died for your sin and for my sin, much more, much more than what this world wants you to understand he, or think or believe that he was. They want to bring him that down to our level and say, oh, he's just, but he, what, he, he did things that nobody could have done. And he's doing something right this second that nobody in this world, not even your mom, your mom can't and won't be able to do this. He's reaching out to you. He's reaching out to you, even though you've hurt him, even though you've wronged him, even though you've, you've rejected him, even though you've rebelled against him, even that. He's reaching out to you. And I'm talking, I'm talking to people that have never known him in the first place. I'm talking to Christians, too. When he's told us, do this, and we, nah, not today, God. He's still reaching out to us. And, and, and I know your mom forgives a whole lot, but she can't forgive like Jesus forgives. His forgiveness is a saving forgiveness. His forgiveness washes your sins away. And, and, and he won't remember it. Next time you almost slip up, he won't say, oh, there they go again. No, he's forgotten that. That's what his forgiveness is like. This, this Jesus, this Jesus that has every bit of direction, he knows where, knows where all of your next blessings are. He wants to do all this for you. Let me say this. This is a two-part, this, this, this sermon today. There's a there's an epic Jesus part two for next week, and I'm and I am so excited. I, I really pray that you're back next Sunday because I want you to hear the rest of what Jesus really wants to do for you. I just wanted to introduce you to this epic, but I want you to hear the rest of what He wants to do. I'm, I'm excited about you hearing this because I know some of you really need. God. And next week we're gonna we're gonna believe God to really meet some needs. But today, today. Every one of us needs to draw just a little closer to this epic Jesus. Christians, or if you've never known Christ ever in your life, every one of us needs to draw a little closer to Jesus today. Would you close your eyes with me for a moment? There's an epic Jesus whose spirit and presence is in this room. And there's something, there's something that he's doing right now. He, he, is, he is pulling at your heart. He's saying, he's saying, I want to forgive you. Would you, would you just let me forgive you? Like this woman who washed his feet with her tears. And he's, he, he's, you don't have to pray any certain prayer. Just in your heart, just believe and trust in him. That's all she did. And he said, your faith, your belief in me is what he was saying. Your belief in me has saved you. He'll forgive you your sins. He'll straighten your life out. He'll begin to give you direction that you need. This epic Jesus that is moving through this prayer area right now.